0: So we're we're joined by Landon Cal, uh, who's a, a chiropractor who's out in Denver now, right? Yes. Yeah. Out in Denver, spending a lot of time in Boulder as well. Nice, nice. And then we're joined by Forrest Wilson. Um, and where are you located, as uh, Forrest? Today I'm in Denver in Landon's apartment in this moment. Oh, uh, you guys are doing the the in person but virtual,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, virtually apart. Yeah. I like it. Um, that's cool. And where are you based out of usually? Usually based out of Boulder.
1: Uh, I live in Boulder. I'm
0: flying to Mexico tomorrow for a month, so I'll be traveling for a bit. Nice man. I kind of looked on your your website, and I couldn't necessarily find a, a title for you. Um, so I'm interested, kind of like what your background is, kind of if you've like gone through any sense of education and how you transitioned into kind of the the model of a business or the just the uh practicing the practice that you've delved into at this point.
1: Yeah, that's a my title is uh always eluding me, I think. Um, like emerging whatever that is, it's been a challenge, but um I I I support a lot of people doing trauma work and healing work, um psychosomatic uh healing work specifically. So um yeah, I have a background in, in functional movement, uh, trained out of, uh, trained with a group in Texas for a while, I guess I'll just leave it there. Um, and, uh, have been getting support from Nathan and from Landon, uh, recently my, um, my deepest curiosity in relationship to training at this point in time is what is it like to be in the body in this moment with, with, less and less trauma, having resolved moments that happened in our past that were too much to handle in the moment they were happening, bringing those through to resolution and being more fully available for the experience that's actually happening right now. Um, So I do body work and and energy work and and, uh, psychosomatic healing work with folks. Um, And uh, I also do this in in collectives. So I support collectives of people doing um, regenerative healing work, so I could speak more on that, um, but maybe that's a good enough final. Yeah,
0: that, that, that's a solid intro, and then Landon, I know you through uh, doing some functional patterns courses and stuff, and we've, we've com- talked and communicated online a little bit, um, but you obviously uh, have tied in a lot of the functional movement type of stuff that you've learned into your chiropractic practice um is that i assume that's kind of still how you're uh treating people at this point as a mixture of like adjustment and then like movement therapy
2: yeah yeah and and it's always evolving right like at first i originally thought that um you know chiropractic could heal every single thing and all you needed to do is get adjusted and you'll be just fine um and i saw the power of that and then i saw the limitations of that and then wanting to include some functional movement because that's what I was doing for my own body. And so I figured, you know, if I'm to maintain integrity, um, the best way to do that is to teach people exactly what I'm doing to keep my health, um, up to standards and, um, hanging out with force has been real helpful because he's been opening my eyes to a lot of, uh, different types of healing, you know, like psychosomatic healing. Um, I've always been, um, One to combine the best of both worlds or the best of five or 10 different worlds, and then um, apply what's most necessary to each individual person. And so, um, yeah, I think the heart of it is still chiropractic, which is um, the body basically heals itself if you allow it to, if you give it the right stimulus, if you give it the right tools, if you remove um interference in this um you know natural process and then everything I do is just to support that whether it's through functional movement whether it's through um talking your emotions out whether it's through um expressing you know your anger instead of bottling it down um and sometimes that means um crying sometimes that means laughing a lot sometimes that means uh just being totally present and um, whatever that means, that's,
0: that's what I'm about. Would you, would you guys, and maybe this is a good question for, for Forrest just to dive a little bit deeper into what you do as well. How would you define like psychosomatic healing? Because that's not like maybe a super common phrase people would be familiar with. Um, obviously like psychic healing or just like psychological healing people might understand, but how does the uh, somatic aspect interface with that?
1: Yeah, so what I've, uh, what I found is we, we store a lot of stories, and also energy in our body. Um, so I define trauma as when we have an experience that's too much for us to handle in the moment that it's happening. And so there's residual, or there's residue, there's leftover experience. And, and actually, the the experience is still happening, in a way, somewhere in our psyche, somewhere in the fabric of our being, there's a moment that's still occurring that hasn't been completed and this manifests uh in our cycle in our psyche and it also manifests in our body um so we can heal the body through the mind we can heal the mind through the body and i've always been fascinated by this um mind body connection so technically you would say neuropsychosomatics, brain psyche body um but uh But, you know, what happens is we're we're born into the world and we're kind of like a blank slate. And then we take on all the conditioning from our parents, from our churches, from our schools, from our institutions. And we become driven by fear, need, desire. And we lose touch with the just innate joy of of, of being. Um, And so there's a process as we mature of letting go of everything that's not the truth of who we are, letting go of everything we took on. Uh, The psychological term is interjected uh in in our earlier years the cultural stories the psychic energy that isn't ours things like shame guilt um stories that weren't innate to our own consciousness to our own being that we got from somewhere else releasing those and really stepping into our fullness the the truth of who we are the the fullest expression in our body and in our being Uh, and so what i find is that when we have these this energy stored in the body, there's a there's a really big process of letting go. And we're doing all this release work. And the neurological, the myelin sheath in our brain, the neurological patterns, the thought lines, the stories, the ego constructs that we create sourced from this energy that aren't ours, come up and out with the energy and the stories as we release them as well. So we actually let go of entire worldviews and ways of orienting with reality and other people and open up to an entirely new uh, relationship with our experience.
0: So Nathan, you would say that what we're trying to do with movement is pretty much along those same lines, right? And we obviously blend as like Landon has, and as Forrest has probably experienced as well, a, a form of like movement along with this letting go process or a form of um, almost like growth or expansion right? So as you clear out some of this stuff, there's kind of room for more space. And that's something that we try to um, instill in a lot of our clients is just feeling more space in the body. I was just laying like in my backyard on the grass and just like on my stomach, which used to be an uncomfortable position for me. And I was just kind of like marveling at like how just balloon like my abdomen and my rib cage felt as I was laying on my stomach compared to what it used to feel like where it was just like this constricted like cavity between my belly and my spine um so nathan you would say like that's essentially what we're doing is kind of helping facilitate the letting go process through like physical stimulus to a degree
3: yeah i think that it's an entry way for people to start to understand why feelings are of value in their body because the majority of people dealing in their feelings don't uh prescribe or necessarily associate a Ah, connectedness to that feeling. It's more in the moment. It's more spontaneous, and it doesn't associate to memories or uh, coincidental experience that might suggest why they respond in that nature. Um, and so a lot of people in feeling their feelings, uh, their more tangible uh, in body expression of feeling, they start to understand that emotion is not something they have to or really can run away from. Uh, but that being said, I think, uh, we live in a society that really has a lot of immature adults raising children, and there's a poor descriptor or a poor uh, environment to like define what a healthy, happy adult looks like. So a lot of people as children are learning um, not just for themselves, but in the place of what their parents would have taught them. And so I think that a lot of people are developing rudimentary social skills and uh because they don't have an identity around those social skills, it's it, it's ego chattering. it changes their entire perspective and scope on life. And so it's really dependent on what the person's looking for. I'm not I'm not necessarily a uh, a somatic therapy coach, but there is a whole like underlying tolerance of feeling and uh, sensation that men should have, I think, so as to better understand their, more visceral bodies. And um, in the same, most people have connected associative behavior profiles for if I'm in this posture, or if I'm uh, unwell in this area of my body. So I started out really defining how it would best benefit me. And that was as a dude with some trauma and some physical issues. So I needed to make sure I could not only feel my feelings, but have them be justified in my body. So I wasn't also restricting my ability to be coherent to the feeling or be coherent to other things going on in my environment um, that came up after the feeling. And in building out more skill, I instead of being so definitive around working with men, I was like, no, this is something that can do with people of all ranges because I didn't even want to work with athletes in the first I wanted to work with uh, people who were rehabilitating from that point but then I understood that uh, everyone's to their varying degrees removed from their own experience and in any way meditation or any self-supportive behaviors get them to be more present to themselves I'm making people do that but in a more neurologically bioavailable way so it's not specific to the thinking feeling it's more specific to how the body responds to the stress the threat the the feeling whatever so to answer your question uh not with intention i'm not doing the same thing but it does come up often because a lot of people need some understanding when they're doing stuff that makes their body feel strong things
0: yeah that's interesting um landon so you mentioned that you've kind of transitioned probably more recently, kind of in working together with Forrest into delving into the emotional side of things. Um, how how do you know that a client is kind of like ready for that, I guess, or what instances does uh, occurs that makes it so you you want to like kind of talk through or be like, hey, I know you're here for your physical stuff. I know you're here for your back pain or whatever, but like what's going on like at home or whatever? And how do you kind of like, smooth out that transition so the person doesn't get all like threatened by you like investigating that totally
2: totally yeah it's um it's definitely not something that can be forced upon somebody uh, in my experience um it's a much more intuitive um sensing you know if they're coming in and they're um not really making eye contact and they're thinking about something here and they're I'm not really fully engaged, you know, that just lets me know, like, okay, well, their mind is not really here right now. And it's somewhere else. And I'm not going to go in there and say, like, um, hey, how's how's uh, your mom and dad? You know, I'm not going to ask them that. I'm just going to ask them, like, hey, wh- what's going on? And so sometimes they'll tell me um, off the bat, if they're feeling comfortable, if it's in, you know, a safe environment. And sometimes they'll still want to um, you know, delay that or hide it away for a little bit. And so I'm not going to pry it out of them. I'm just going to um, be present with them. And I'm going to clear my space and my energy and allow that uh, possibility to exist. And if they're open to it, when I just ask them another question, they'll start diving into it themselves. And so it's usually not like, today we're going to work on your relationship with your sister. You know, it's usually just like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, it seems like you're a little bit off. Like, is everything okay? Um, And then what has, what, what's been profound is like um, as we're doing some of these like cueings, or even when I'm doing myofascial release, there'll be this sense of um, almost like a, like a magnetism when i put my hands on somebody's body and it's like everything is telling me to go towards here go towards here go towards here and then as we start to do some deeper breathing and as we start to do some um you know physical releases in the body there will be something that happens that um that i don't even really fully i I can't even really put it into words because it's like i don't really know what's going to happen all I know is that we're working together and it's guiding us through this energetic, emotional release. And sometimes, um, you know, many times, especially recently, it's been showing up as this like rhythmic pounding and guiding of this energy up and out of the body. Um, and then, you know, after a very emotional and intense, uh, release, you know, we hold the space to talk about like, what the fuck was that? Or like, what what was your experience? You know, how did that, you know, what was that? And so it's, um, you know, you can kind of just tell, you can kind of just tell when people are wearing something on their face or they're wearing something on their back or they're wearing something on their, um, in their core, right. When they feel disempowered or they feel uh, defeated, right. A lot of times you can tell something's up just by looking at their overall posture. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, but, uh, I know Forrest, um, does a lot more specific work into, um, processing emotions and deep traumas through, um, conscious awareness. And maybe you can explain a little bit more about like that side of things.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Landon. What's interesting for me hearing you that I really want to point to is I'm really passionate about freeing what's underneath the stories and under the emotions. So we have the energy that's trapped underneath the story or the emotion that I actually, um, I really keep people out of the mental processing and talking about our feelings so much. Like, uh, it's not like a talk therapy thing. Because well, I, I don't need to go into why that is, but what I'm really s- interested in doing is getting to what's underneath the stories and the symbols and actually liberating that energy. Um, what I find, and uh, in, in, in what Nathan has even helped me discover in the work that we've done together, is that um, like so many of us are walking around in fight or flight mode in day to day life and we're not aware of it. We're walking around in the stressed out, like tunnel vision state eyes darting all over the place um orientation with reality and um there's a i'm feeling a lot of care as i say this but there's like a lack of feeling of safety in our bodies and i dream of a world where like every body feels safe there's a very distinct difference for example if you go into your mind and ask yourself right here right now in this moment am i safe you can intellectually answer that question and say, yeah, I am. But it's completely different to actually let that in and to allow the feeling into the body. And it can be really challenging for a body that's been in fight, flight or freeze or or flee, you know, all the different Fs um, for, for many years and even decades to really let in the feeling of safety. And, and just speaking from my own experience, um, it's been really challenging because it's actually new territory for me. That's the difference is it's not just unlearning the fight or flight or trauma. It's actually, wait a minute, what is it like to orient with reality? Nathan said recently, um, you know, the new growth edge is how comfortable can we be, can we be, but as we're getting increasingly comfortable, like that's actually uncomfortable for me to be comfortable. (laughs) And so, there's a fleshing out of what is my life experience and, and relationship with the world if I just feel fundamentally okay and safe and like I can uh, widen my vision, let in my periphery relax into the moment and let go. Um, and, and, and in that, everything that we're carrying in our body that's in resistance to that is going to come up. Any parts, any parts in us that feel unsafe, any constrictions in the fabric of our being, any adhesions in our body, these are gonna come up and, and start kind of screaming in a way and going like, wait a minute. La, 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 la. <laughs> Which is in English, but anyway. Um yeah, I'll just stop there. That definitely is like enough for now. How's that to hear?
3: So I have a Something I'm not sure how I'm gonna phrase just yet. The thing that I've always had an apprehension about psychosomatics or therapy in general is uh, trying to objectify the aspect of recovering through feeling. Is oftentimes, especially with men, because for whatever reason we're not really received super well if we take a strong stance usually on an emotional on an emotional topic. But what I experience most most often is Men try to make space or try to make careful the presentation of feeling or dealing with feeling. And more often than not, especially for dudes trying to recognize how they feel because it's not something they know how to language as well as women usually uh, is usually it becomes embodied or intensified. And it goes one of two ways. They either get confident or they stick to that, like intensified pattern or they get small from feeling intense all the time and making other people feel whatever degrees of affect they have. And I think in the same light, uh, using language that targets bland feeling instead of targeting the specific intensities, like your heart starts racing, you start a cold sweat, you start to lose your ability to reason or, Rationalize through the feeling like the specificities of intensity. I always got frustrated with yoga language around this kind of stuff, because for me, I've done a lot of therapy in my childhood. I've dealt with a lot of like talking through my issues, but some people just don't have an only uh, thinking body. There's some degree of uh, intensity that needs to play out in a physical fashion. So as not to allow for that person to, I don't know, uh, fight themselves and fight the feeling. And it doesn't necessarily need to be vicious or aggressive, but when intense feelings come out, there does need to be a, a release or a d- degree of like physical outlet. And that's where I think muscle and like uh, certain um, like male habits should be like focused around physicality. So as to manage that, uh, because there's a lot of socialization that comes with doing something that's physically bonding and the more physical bonding stuff we have, the less we're going to associate soci- socializing to, I'm going to make you feel a certain way without doing anything. Cause that's what it sounds like when, when I hear this talk and it's usually to the effect of like, I'm going to take care of how you feel without any actions. I'm going to feel this way at you. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I am saying that's my big issue with conversation like that. And I think that's the exact opposite route. Like uh, people who talk about I think specifically now he talks about controlling your emotions or your expressions or whatever and the like. And if you're not doing that, then you're going to depreciate what your focus is elsewhere. We need a language or ability to reason so to speak with our feelings but we don't want to compartmentalize them and turn them off we also don't want to compartmentalize our physical reaction to stuff so if you feel like interbulating there are degrees of intensity with which you need to come to terms with instead of trying to go the opposite direction because it's not going to make sense to your nervous system or your memories or your thoughts or whatever just to be like all right let's see what comes up for you honestly if uh when I, maybe if it was two years ago and someone were to like do some Reiki like stuff with me, but it, it was a dude and like trying to like, all right, we're gonna put some feeling energy on you. I would have gotten livid because I would have felt it the whatever, but I would also have noticed that he's not realizing how how uncomfortable this is making me, and has no no memory of this in his feeling. So I always have had to learn from like fairly intense dudes so that I could feel like I'm a little bit more understood. And I think that's something that a lot of men need to understand is like comfort in the turbulence because you don't need to turbulate. Maybe that's not your natural proclivity, but you do need to understand how to be strong when other people are being like that because reason does not come in rational settings because you don't have to reason through things going the normal operation. You have to reason through people not being reasonable so it's a skill set being able to either talk to it or talk through it instead of pandering to like yoga talk so so one way that i
0: could be interpreted say i'm a man and i'm thinking okay well i just need to like go hit some shit really hard to to deal with my emotions and there's obviously some some potential truth to that but are there are there other ways um that that can like show up or be utilized without it having to be necessarily just like an an angry like as hard as I can uh, totally
3: production thing. Music and dance are those immediate things. Martial arts would be another one, or sports, and they're. They are violent respect of the intensity of inputs. And that's what I mean. Like if you're going to not be well-trained with intensity, so sounds coming at you, you're feeling new things, you're experiencing a little bit of like, I want to perform here. So there's some uh, motivation or uh, adrenal response. If all that's happening at the same time, but you want to maintain a focus, how are you going to do that if you have some invested interest there, if you don't have a control on your physical, emotional bearing? And that's really what I think human, human beings, not just men, not just women, uh, we look for the most rational creature in a time of lack of reason. So the person or creature that can manage themselves and allow for us to mirror ourselves off that individual, because we're not going to look for the best answer. We're going to look for the calmest individual. And look for the person that allows for us to be like, okay, it's possible. I can, I can chill out. I can chill out here. Cause that's, is that not what this whole fitness industry is? You see an example of some dude being like, all right, you can do it like this, and I'm going to show you how to confidently do it and make some language up about it. Then they do it over and over and over, and then people are like, I'm not even doing something I think is the best thing fitness-wise. I'm accessing a part of my accessibility. I'm accessing a part of, oh, maybe I'll allow myself to do this because I'm doing this, or maybe this is like a t- uh, a degree of letting go that a lot of men have never done. Rope flow, for example, is like the most letting go physical thing I've <laughs> Ever done? Because it's not—it's not doing anything for me relative, like my direct, immediate application. But I feel like it's nice to rhythm through it and process some of that sensation, and then afterwards, I'm like, okay, I did something, and I didn't have to hyperinturbulate. It's not a warm warm up for me. It's like cool down. It's like a chill, dude. Relax.
2: Mm. To to me, that that sounds a lot like um, what I've been calling kinesthetic processing where it's like you're just allowing the... I, I know that you have talked about the many different brains in the body, Nathan. You know, you, you say um, there's a brain, obviously, here. And I think you said in your stomach, um, in your hands. Sure. Um, and and what I've been finding really, really interesting, and I think it goes um, pretty parallel to what you're saying, is this idea that you don't need a whole bunch of words to describe or to process if you can just allow your body to do the processing and you can just be in it, you know? And sometimes like when Steph Curry hits a three, it's like, let's fucking go. Like he's in the moment, he's in the moment and he's feeling it. And then in, in other times, you know, when, um, you know, if somebody shoves you on the basketball court, you're like, what dude, I'm right here. Like what I'm fucking right here. And it's not, you know, it's not like, um, you know, there is a sense of, of competitive threat, which is, you know, in the game of basketball and it's not like I'm getting overly, uh, violent and overly stimulated to the point where I'm like, let's fucking throw down right now. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm meeting this threat here. You know, I'm willing to, uh, stand where I am right here. I'm willing to defend myself. I'm not going to attack you, but at the same time, like let's fucking go. Right. And so it, it, is that similar to what you're saying?
3: To a degree. I think that's more like, uh, uh, so the the rationale of uh being able to manage around. I mean, essentially, when anyone's responding to something or reacting to something, they're reacting in a way that they're processing, and most everyone else is not. The intensity of the the vibe, so to speak, or like the rate of alterate uh yeah uh alteration no not alteration altercation. Excuse me. I was like, I know this word sounds weird when I'm saying it. Uh, the rate of altercation is going to determine like how frenetic people are, how intense people are, but. Movement is building out a foundation of parasympathetics, not in like a a vague sense, but like there's a definable degree of physical like mass, biomass in certain areas that if it's properly connected, that is, if it's well connected to your, your brain neurologically, there's good sensation or good feedback input output wise, then that tissue is going to be essentially a buoyancy or stability measure that doesn't interface with your thinking mind. And the more you have a limbic response to things without having to process it in a contextualized or uh, neocortex born way, you're going to be responding in the same way a dog responds, in the same way a kid responds. Before words, there is feeling. It is just the way our id brain, we call it like a reactive brain. It is so much more simple than that. It is our assessment brain. It's our, if you ever read Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, it's the brain that, we, that processes all the information that... Our newer brain starts to organize after the fact, or put language to after the fact. Um, in in old ancient practices, I'm not sure. I'm I keep forgetting because there's so many different things that I've I've like come across in this respect. But there's a, a philosophy of body intelligence and it's not the kinesthetic awareness is essentially what it is because we do process. And that's how babies are the most effectively taught, having some degree of kinesthetic process and environment wherein they can all kinds of resourcing, like textures, colors, uh, whatever. Um, We build out the ability through, we kind of uh, call it meditation, but meditation is a simplified form. It's a removal from all the busyness. I'd rather have there be a full commitment to the busyness with retaining a central focus or a a self a selfish orientation. The more self-orientated someone can be, the less they have to focus on what's going on in their head. So it does require a degree of defining a healthful selfishness, one that allows for you to be of self, from self, but not necessarily all about self. And if you can determine your behavior from those environments, you can start to perceive how other people are responding to you, as opposed to responding to people in the way you reacted to how you thought they responded to you. So starting to become less poked and prodded by the environment and more aware that uh, your feeling in your brain and body are disassociated or at a disalignment more often than not to appeal to what people are expecting of you less. So what you're experiencing of yourself. So maybe they don't want to see a bitter face. Maybe they don't want to hear anger. I definitely didn't grow up caring about that. So I have some antisocial behaviors that I grew out of as opposed to growing into social behaviors. So I, I didn't have like a, I need to work on this. Uh, it was a, I, um, I had a defensive mechanism that worked for me, or at least gave me some confidence when I wasn't socially secure. And then I worked into making those things not make me feel bad when I was doing them. And so I built out security, less than being reactive, more than being, I'm going to make some boundaries or create some space when I'm having a conversation or an interaction. We'll let you know what I expect, because I have these things I'd like for myself. And then whatever you're willing to provide is what I'm going to observe and then create my reaction to. Instead of being like, it all needs to go, me being comfortable the entire time without me figuring out why it is I was uncomfortable in the first place.
1: You know, Nathan, hearing you, I think one of the things I've been doing recently is distinguishing between feelings and sensations. Because the, the, thing, we're try- <laughs> the thing we're trying to get to is actually, can we just have the sensations and be in contact with them as they are without the story and judgment top down put on top of it? Yep. And so it's like, how much of my experience can I let in without interfacing and most of the time protecting myself from my experience through thought, which can be in the form of emotion. And so so pulling all that up and out, how much can we interface with sensation without the story?
3: Totally. Yeah. If you have difficulty registering sensation, there's probably some processing there. And if you think about a more tangible framework of the story we tell ourselves, uh you were talking about earlier that we all have a degree of trauma underlying in our nervous system the i don't know remember which um uh it's an indian religion i'm not sure which one i think it is hinduism but i'm not going to say exactly uh subscara the scars underneath the surface of our skin uh they are the associative like nervous traumas that you walk around with that maybe no one can see but you feel all the time and they're more tangible to you than if you had something on your skin uh that's the orientation i think uh is most prevalent in if you have a ton of samskara it's going to start to show in your most feelings uh subconscious presentation your fascia or your thinking suit and so if you for me i wore it on my face i was like either very serious or very intense my face (laughs) and it would translate as like intimidating or some degree of whatever but i got super comfortable not making other people comfortable without knowing about it. And then when I started to uh, really organize I want to improve on this, then I was like I don't like making people uncomfortable, but I realized that in trying to develop skills that didn't facilitate my full comfort, I was making myself uncomfortable at the comfort cost of mm-hmm. like the you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was like and I figured it out that I don't have to pander to other people, I can just be my own self and work around my mistakes and you know what i'm saying like guys have to i think more specifically guys have to figure out how to take up space without blaming themselves for it and then doing a good enough job of caring about how they take up take up space uh without uh exhibiting less of themselves or less authentic behaviors as a byproduct and i think that's like strong leadership or strong uh, what we call alpha male practice now but I think genuinely there are a lot of feminized uh, or like not very mature men and when I say feminized I would say they pick up qualities that are more um, uh, gentle or uh, passive less physically assertive and in a male body it just doesn't cognify oftentimes because we are reactive we are id based instinctual so our limbic system is still responding to are you a safe creature i can find myself protected by are you someone that i need to protect myself from so on and so forth and those are the first things we put up consequence like you'll yeah i was going to go on a tangent don't need to (laughs) add some coffee late in the day guys
1: (laughs) i want to riff on that but i'm curious what's happening for you Ben.
0: This just a lot to take in. Um, yeah, I <laughs> felt that recently, the idea of like, understanding how I'm taking up space in a room and, and the different like contexts that that can um, that can come up with that, like how I'm walking on the street or how I'm um, standing in the, the lineup at the grocery store. I've noticed for myself that there is a, a tendency to hold my hips pulled away from the world a little bit. And as a compensation pattern, my chest would like to fill that space. Um, And, you know, that's a common, you know, biomechanical postural dysfunction and where your hips are tilted this way or whatever. And you can just kind of force them back into place to get them stacked or whatever. But it's a very different feeling when you um, kind of bring your center a little bit forward and then just like hang and kind of relax back off of your like midline essentially. Um, it's, it's a powerful feeling and it's like, uh, I don't know, it just like, it makes me feel the whole bowl of my hips when I do it. And, you know, there, there's, I'm sure a lot of unraveling for me to do with my pelvic bowl and that whole area. And I know that's something you mentioned in your talk with Nathan that I wanted to touch on too for us was the idea of like stuffing sensation down. A little bit and I think you mentioned like below your hips or whatever I feel like I kind of resonated with that um and that like it's almost difficult to find a a easy flow like through that like vertical line it like it tends to want to kind of there's like a separation between like my solar plexus area and that like more root chakra that bridge is forming out it's definitely getting much better um is that is that kind of similar to what you were talking about with that
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I um I stuffed so much down. I didn't even know this had happened, but I stuffed so much down over the course of my life that at some point I basically couldn't even feel my legs anymore. Like I mean, if you dropped an elbow into me doing body work, I would certainly feel that. But I had um and this is where the really an understanding of trauma is so important, but I had experiences where I had a shock, I had a shock experience and it and I didn't process it in the moment that it was happening. And so it was still happening in my legs. And and through consciously bringing my attention back into that experience, like what happens is for a lot of us, this is psychosomatics, right? So we have an experience. Let's say for me, my experience was I accidentally shot a gun. When I was an early teenager, I didn't hurt anybody or anything, but I accidentally shot shot it and it was shocking for me. And when I did it, I was reprimanded right in the moment that it happened so i had this big shock wave go through my system and then i had this total shutdown of my experience because it was like i shouldn't have done that and I, i locked all that down into my body and then i didn't have enough capacity at the time to process this so what we do in our psyche is we wall that whole experience off in a in the shadow in the unconscious in the back bedroom of our mind and and we have this experience that's still happening in the body with a memory that's in the mind that we're not allowing ourselves access to. I'm just taking a breath here because I know we're talking about things that can bring stuff up for us. So I'm just creating a little bit of space. But what I, what ultimately I've been able to do is in the presence of um, some other people holding me, bring my awareness back down. And there's been this is not the only thing that's been in my legs. I mean, I've got lifetimes of stuff in my legs. But bringing my experience back down the memories came back and I remembered it. And then there was from the place of resourcefulness that I have now, a capacity to actually completely experience in a way, in the sense that the, the forest in me in that moment felt the love and care and forgiveness and compassion that I actually needed in that moment to go, okay, I made a mistake. No one got hurt. This is okay. I'm not going to do this again. I've lived and learned. I can move on. But I wasn't there up until that moment. I was still in, holy shit, I shot a gun. I could have killed somebody and I'm getting screamed at. That was the state that I was in as opposed to actually having it complete. And then as it completes, there's actually that whole experience kind of dissolves and falls back into formless. And so it's not happening in the body anymore. It's not happening in the psyche anymore. It's not happening in being being anymore. And now I can feel my legs. Right, woohoo, celebration. Uh, and I can actually receive sensations in the moment that are not through a lens of that unprocessed experience that was still happening in me. So now that that's dissolved, I can receive an experience, but it's not coming through my past in a way. It's just coming through more purely and in a way that I can actually cohesively interface with it. So, but yeah.
3: So. Have you shot a gun since? yes what was that like for you
1: great i had a i had a great time yeah but it's interesting that wasn't triggering for me but i heard like having someone say that there was a shooting in an area i was in was really triggering for me so it's not necessarily that me having a gun in my hands and shooting was a trigger but and i know we're using the word trigger but i don't mean it in this way in the sense of the gun i mean in the sense that it was instigatory but there are things that were triggering and I can't even fathom how many times something happened that triggered a feeling of me not being safe especially in a scenario where I'm in a a power to like hurt somebody that's oftentimes when I felt most unsafe I mean here I was with a gun and shot it and could have really hurt somebody but situations where I felt I mean I'm six four, like a bigger guy in, in scenarios where there could have been a physical altercation. That's sometimes when I felt the most scared is like if this gets physical, I might really hurt somebody, kind of thing. So anyway, that's been dissolving in me and not good. my experience anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah, good. Because that shit sucks.
1: Yeah. Being scared of your own power is the worst.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean it literally restricts your output. That's why so many people are so in, like, so seeking, so desperate to have the right answers. Because truthfully, in the same, and this is where the psychosomatic is the the key point or the cornerstone. Uh, if someone doesn't recognize why they do things, they have no reason to do the thing. And why is the most limbic question? It's the question that provokes feeling more than any of the other questions. What, how, when are not feeling questions. Why is provocative? And if you Either avoid the answer or avoid the question. There's some, there's some whatever there. Um, We don't want to feel certain things. So we avoid certain things. And if we don't have a provocative why, it's not necessarily an I don't know that underlies it. It may be a lack of uh, clarity inside. So it's, you do know, but every single time you touch closer to it, it makes you scared of that feeling. And so it's much better to facilitate a schema in your body, so to speak, that allows for you to hold your body up. That isn't scary. And that's truthfully how a lot of people hold themselves and growth state in a mitochondrial level will be something you start to see more volume with. You'll see a tangible degree of like your cells literally expand. Um, And if you do that over the course of trillions and trillions of cells, you'll see a tangible expansion through your body. The difference being if you are in a state of uh, fighting the feeling as opposed to encouraging a full, like, I'm okay with this, uh, there's going to be a degree of fuel and energy expended on uh, maintaining or generating the stabilizing energy or the thinking energy that has you managing your system. And so you don't get to be reactive anymore. You have a full administrative block in your brain committed to, We don't get to do anything that's like these people anymore. We have to do it like this. And so if you're figuring that your body works in those systems, you're essentially saying every single time one of these things comes up. Nope. Nope. Doesn't make sense. Nope. Nope. Doesn't make sense. Nope. Nope. Doesn't make sense. And if you organize your brain like that, you're a lunatic (laughs) for real, you're going to drive yourself. crazy. It's going to be unhealthy. It's going to be like, it. I used to throw up all the time because I couldn't figure out, how to get myself to feel the way I wanted to because my environment wasn't safe for me growing up. And so I didn't, I didn't have the ability to let go in that environment. I had the only the wherewithal to be like, I need to feel better. I want to feel better. I don't want this to get worse. So something had to move or something had to let go. So I was never stuck because I, I was moving around a lot, I think in some respects. And there was always like if I wasn't, I would feel the injury or feel the heaviness from a young age. So there was a degree of, I knew a, a a strengthening recourse that didn't involve my brain that I could go to that would give me an outlet. And if people learn how to be physical well, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're playing Frisbee, if you're painting, if you're yodeling, if you're <laughs> wood, wood, like whittling wood, it doesn't matter. If you do it well in a way that you feel like the picture you had in your brain reflects the sensory presentation of the effort. Awesome. You're going to feel really happily. You're going to feel really rewarded and you'll be tremendously therapized. Work on just getting good at nothing. And you'll find that you're good at everything because you don't judge yourself for all the bullshit in the background.
1: <laughs>
0: so I know the three of us, uh, not Nathan, have experience with like functional patterns where, as opposed to there being an allowance for um, mistakes. And instead of you just trying to like be yourself and maybe like, you know, work on yourself and improve things, there's a tendency to want to really do it well, do it right, do it perfect, because until you do that, you're dysfunctional. Um, And it's not even just like functional patterns. I think the whole fitness industry to a point can like create that FP might just be a little more of an extreme example of that. But I have clients that have like no idea what that is. And they, I can see them like slapping themselves on the wrist every time they notice that they're out of alignment or whatever, that they're a little lean forward. And I've told them just to sit back a little bit. They, they don't like notice and like quietly kind of, Put themselves back to where they might feel a little more stable, they like reprimand themselves for having fallen out of that stability in the first place, which I would, if you guys have tips on how to like help somebody come out of that behavior, besides just like graded exposure and basic comfort over time. Um, I think that would be an awesome topic for us to hit on. Um, but I met both you guys have kind of transitioned away a little bit from the FP experience, right? Would you say that that was kind of one of the main drivers of you thinking, oh, maybe there's more elsewhere, or maybe I need to be wary of how, da- how far down this rabbit hole we go?
2: Yeah, I, for for me, um, yeah, in, in one sense, I was really grateful to FP for, I guess, exposure into a new paradigm of uh, fitness and, and health, right? And then as um, I started getting more invested into them and spending more time there, and, and really diving deeper and deeper. Um, that was one of the pillars that I just could not align with. You know, like I could overlook a lot of the, um, you know, the marketing and the the way that um, some of their um, higher ups talk. Like I I I have the ability to uh, separate those two for, and listen to what they're saying. And so, because I was able to do that, I was able to dive a little bit deeper and actually like harvest the, the, the fruits. Um, but then to go to the even deeper levels of FP, you really had to buy into that. And I was just like, man, even if I wanted to, I just can't like, my body just rejects that and I just cannot do that. And I don't want to do that. Um, and so I started, um, you know, splitting ways and going a different path.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I I echo Landon's appreciation for FB. I have, I've never met an Audi in person, but I have a lot of appreciation for what I've learned from him and all the, I mean, I've been, I'm fortunate to have a lot of really amazing friends who are FB practitioners that I've learned a lot from. Um, so I feel really grateful. And I, uh i i just my body did not thrive doing fp like I, that's just the most simple way to say it my um my experience of fp is taking in more stress inputs through the prefrontal cortex right most cues are through language so trying to cue the body how to move through words was so confusing for me um And at the same time, you know, I see this to to take this to another concept, for example, in leadership, right, I work with a lot of leaders, startup founders, executives of companies, Um, there's always been this, we need to get better, we need to 10x growth mindset, like, uh, be the best version of myself. And what's happening is we're discovering that that like, Uh, there's a really big posturing, right? It's funny, the word, we posture ourselves as this person who is bigger and better and more amazing. And what we're seeing right now is a big shift to people actually shifting to being all of who we are. Like the word is wholeness. And so in that, there's a welcoming, there's really a welcoming of all the aspects of ourselves, right, because you see somebody who does all the and gets into a position that's functionally appropriate but then as soon as that person receives a stress input of like a call from their girlfriend or their bank account that's not helpful, the whole system crashes, right? And you're, you're actually in psycholo- – this is psychosomatic. Psychologically, you're in a different ego construct because one thing we still haven't caught up to in modernity yet is actually every human being is a collective. We have all these different personalities. And so, yeah, I'm in my FP body. I'm super confident. I move like a gangster. And then all of a sudden I feel shame and I crash into like, oh, mommy, help me. Like, and my T-spine's in a <laughs> inflection and I want to curl up into a ball because I've crashed down into a one-year-old. And so the challenge is what we need to do is you wouldn't take a one-year-old and you wouldn't start putting them through hip chambers. That's not what you would do. You would hold a, lo- a one-year-old with care and love and give it attention and be really like you would c- care for it in a completely different way. And so my orientation has been what body are we in because every ego construct is tied to a body so which body are we in what's the age of that body and how does this body want to care and sometimes that's going to be doing through ripping through an amazing exercise because because that's the place we're in but sometimes we need soft touch sometimes we just need a hand on the body while we feel our uh, energy freeing itself um so I, I say all this because it, it's like I need, more, I personally need and my clients have needed more robustness and more capacity. Um, and there's a, there's a bottom upness that I tend to favor towards of, again, having the experience, receiving the experience fully without top down meaning making and allowing the experience to like really what's happening is things are happening all the time and we make stories up about them afterwards. So if we try and lead with the head first, it's really janky. I mean, it's just really, it's totally inefficient. So
3: head over foot. uh, (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah (laughs) so it's for me so for me there's been a big shift to listening to the body actually befriending the body what is the body inviting me to notice right now how like the other thing Landon and i talk about all this all the time is working the question of what if the body i mean healing is happening all the time right if you if you have a cut in your hand body walls off the, the cut rallies the immune system, heals it. It looks like it never happens most of the time. So how do we tap deeper into healing that's already happening and see how does it want to flow through the body and the psyche in a way that creates more freedom and robustness and aliveness and vitality and just joy for being alive. And for me, it's less of it's treating, like think about the names we use as like a, a movement mechanic. Like I don't look at bodies like cars right what if instead of looking at a body like a car that needs to be taken in for oil change every once in a while what if we looked at it as a robust ecosystem that's alive and breathing in this moment right now and we tend to it the way we tend to a garden or a baby like that's the relationship with the body that's
3: yell at it (laughs) yeah right exactly i have to get going i have to get going i have a client right now sorry to cut you short no worries no worries um yeah we'll have to chat
0: more um and what we'll, we will get more into uh like any questions you guys have about movement stuff in the next one yeah but, uh,
1: please <laughs>
0: yeah that'd be awesome
1: that would be
2: amazing yeah
0: thanks for stopping by guys um it was yeah. awesome uh, awesome to chat have a great day. Okay, uh, yeah, see
3: you all That's really, thank you Later,